have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. And welcome to the believer's journey. I, I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank all of my supporters, our ones who prayed, watch our program, the ones who comment, everyone who supports us financially. I just really appreciate you, and I just uh, want to let you know how dear to my heart that really is, that everybody does uh, support us in one way or the other. Um, today, we're going to have a different kind of program. We're going to have a Bible discussion for the entire program. I have a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Gilbert Perez. He's been on our program about two and a half years ago. Uh, we talked about the accuracy of Scripture. And uh, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, which uh, we might have an interesting conversation. And um, so, Dr. Perez, say hello. Well, we're going to be talking about the very interesting conversation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, something that, you know, people from all denominations and non-denominations and non-believers have difficulty with. And it is because it has to do with our physical body as well as with our spiritual body. It's, a, it's called the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And some people say, what is, what is, what is it? What is it speaking in tongues? Where did that come from? Well, it's interesting to see, to note, that the scripture, the Bible, mentions the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in other tongues in almost every book in the Bible. There's a mention one way or another, certainly enough, um, enough times in Acts and uh, Romans and on and so on. So that's what we're going to be talking. Does it have any value? Uh, yes, it does. It gives us an awareness of having entered a vast new spiritual realm. I'm going to repeat that. It gives you an awareness of having entered a vast new spiritual realm. So that's a kind of the things that we're going to be discussing today. So uh, as we get started, I want to start off by saying that, you know, most people think that when we talk about the baptism of spirit, we're usually into Acts mostly and maybe into Romans and, and so forth. But actually, if we go back to the Gospels in, in both all of them, Matthew uh, chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist actually says that I baptize in water, but who comes after me, okay, who is mightier than I am, whose sandals I can't even, are not even worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, so we already have a premise and a foundation there from John the Baptist. Of course, we all, most, a lot of us know in Acts 1.8, you know, when Jesus came and said, you shall receive power by the Holy Spirit when, who will come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Judea, Samaria, and all to the ends of the earth. So we have this premise and this foundation. What I'd like to do before we actually get started in a lot of this, because I know that there's people that think, who watch this program, who think differently about, or, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, all the different things, and how this comes together, because um, I, want, I want you to, to see how we do this. So really, 
Prior to the 18th century, most denominations believed that when you were saved, when you asked Jesus to come into your life and heart, that you literally were regenerated and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came along with it. It was automatic. And then comes along John Wesley, okay, Methodism, comes along in, in the mid-18th century uh, or 1800s, and he starts talking about uh, something called entire sanctification, which he taught was a second work of grace. So you became saved when you went to Jesus for salvation, you were regenerated. But then there's a second work, which uh, I guess he called perfect sanctification. I think it was his term, where you would um, be filled or baptized of the Holy Spirit, which was second. Um, Then you had John Fletcher, which was John Wesley's successor. And he kind of taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, uh, I'm going to use a word that the Nazarene Church uses called eradicates sin nature. Okay, it gets rid of sin nature. And uh, so that kind of came about. And so you had a, a breaking off from Methodism or actually from the Methodist Church with the Nazarene Church, for example. And they followed this and they they had this belief system. Then you had the Pentecostal church, which broke away from the Nazarene church. It's a lot of breaking away, I guess. And they jumped on the idea that it is, uh, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you automatically have to speak in tongues to confirm that you are truly baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And that's the Pentecostal church. And there are different denominations in the Pentecostal church. Okay? Besides those are non-denominations. Oh, yeah. Then you have the Charismatic Church, which kind of started in the mid-1900s, later 1900s, which tended to keep with some of that theology that you, when you're baptized with the Spirit, you can speak with tongues. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to or that you have to, but you have the power and the capability to do so, and that's the Charismatic Church. So there you have it in a, in a ball of wax. So what you have now on one side of the coin, you have like your Presbyterians and Baptists and Reforms and so forth. And they believe, they still believe that when you are saved, when you come to Jesus and you're regenerated, the Holy Spirit fills you and baptizes you instantly. And that's the way that is. Then you have the other side we call the holiness movement, which started with the Methodist Church or John Wesley. And that that's like Wesleyan Church, the Nazarene Church, Methodist Church, and and Pentecostal churches uh, all believe that uh, the second work of grace, okay, that you were saved the first time, then later the Holy Spirit fills you and baptizes you as a second work of grace. So these are your two factions. Of course, over here, the faction over here is pretty all one, they're all in one mind. Over here, you've got several. <laughs> you see, these people that are so dogmatic that they will not hear anything else except what they have to say. And when we enter into such a subject, we have to enter with an open understand, open mind, open spirit, if you will, and say, I want to know what you have for me. Mm-hmm. Now, we say that God is a personal God, that he'll save you individually. And everybody, you know, all the Christians believe that. And that's right, because he comes and says, and I call on him as my Lord, as my Savior, and it's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, 
that's not a personal thing. It's a yes, it is. It's a very personal thing. You, God will deal with you individually, and again, as I said earlier, it brings you into an into a spiritual awareness that you never thought was possible. You have a new understanding of Scripture. You know, I've read this book from cover to cover several times, and every time I read it, it's I'm reading it like I'm I'm reading it for the first time because it's. It's so powerful and so deep and so so profound in nature and in action. Being a Christian is, is, is being active, but it's being active how? By being obedient. Obedient obedience is the first sign of being filled with the Spirit. You know, it's not uh, it's not working miracles and all this. Obey what God says has to say. And and He'll speak to you. Mm-hmm. He spoke to me about this morning. The last two days I've been talking, and I was going to call you, and I was, and I, I said I need to talk to Alan. I didn't have to call you; you called me. <laughs> this is why I answered the phone like, "Hey, I've been expecting this call." Well, God does. God speaks this way, but when you speak like that, the, the carnal man is saying, "Well, I'll wait. I wait till God speaks to me." Well, you may wait until you die. But you you can speak to him if you if you are faithful enough, simple enough, obedient to do what he tells you. Yeah, it's interesting for all of you watching. Um, I've known Dr. Perez for about twenty three years now. Boy, time does fly. I worked for him for a couple of years. I was your Bible professor in the university, and. Um, and it's been interesting through the years. Every once in a while, he'll call me, or every once in a while, I'll call him, and, you know, we get to lunch. And, and I have to tell everyone, we, we agree on a lot of things, but we don't agree on everything. So that's what makes our relationship really cool, is because in the things that we don't agree, we still love each other. You know, you're my brother. I, I actually feel more like your son, but, you know, we're... <laughs> <laughs> My hair is white, too, so I can't really say much. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, you said it right. It's, it's as far as obedience. My take, and probably if I were to make it real simple, I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers a person for Christian life. In other words, it empowers them of a life of holiness. I, I think that's really the foundation, if I were to give it a one-liner. Can you say that again? That the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers a person for Christian life, for Christian service. In other words, gives them a, a life of holiness. Right. There's some people listening to you and to us this morning that agree with you, but they take it away a step further. That if I don't speak in tongues, I'm not ready. And that's not necessarily true. Right. But... Uh, people become dogmatic about certain doctrines, and it's because it's the level of their experience. To what level has God brought you? He'll bring you to the level that you're willing to hear Him and do what He tells you. Yeah. Now, and see, I don't speak in tongues, but I have at least one other gift and maybe more, (laughs) you know. However, you know, my idea of what brings power isn't necessarily in the gifts, it's in my surrendering to His will. That's well, what truly gives power. 
There's again, I'm opening another realm here, but I'll okay. do it. This is where the fruits come in versus the gifts. Yeah. There, there's the fruits and there are the gifts, and they are not one and the same. No. In, in fact, I truly believe that the fruit of the Spirit are really the characteristics of God. They're the things that when God created Adam, okay, he was created in holiness. He was created innocent. He was created with these things. Obviously, the fall and through time, it's been all corrupted within. But then Paul says, we need to live by this and walk by this. What are these? These are the characteristics of God. And what does God say? To be holy because I'm holy. So what we're looking at is something that God says, you need to become this, be this. And what does the fruit of the Spirit bring to us but a, a walk with God that is so close that walking in obedience is like breathing air. It's second nature. What does that bring us? The idea of what the gifts are and what they can do for us and what we can do with the gifts, which brings us unity and honor to Jesus. That's how it all works together, as far as I see it. Well, again, we've got to separate the fruits and the gifts. Well, I agree. And we need the fruit to, you know, our love, joy, and peace. Well, you, and, and the first one is love. And he spends one whole chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13. And then he, we shows, he shows us the other uh, aspects, love, joy, and peace. But then the first, they're in three groupings of three. The love, joy, peace, okay? Well, you cannot have joy nor peace if you don't have love. And, and love does not come fully, you know. There was a time when we first met some 23 years ago that you used to watch me in the, very carefully because you didn't know who I was. And you knew that you worked with me or for me, but uh, you were an excellent Bible teacher, a scholar, in fact, and I enjoyed visiting with you. But I noticed that the whole time you were watching me at first, you were checking me out. And I like that because that way means I have to stay on my toes I need to know what I'm talking about, and I need to act what I'm talking about. And there's a catch right there. Mm -hmm. Do I act what I know? Yeah. I mean, Jesus said, if uh, I mean, several times, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you're truly my disciples, you'll abide, you'll remain in me, you'll endure with me. So that all comes together, like you're saying. See, that's true. And when God, God will give you visions... And I think this is where many times we, we miss out on God. We want we have a desire to do what I want to do. And, you know, believe it or not, I was a rather active guy before I became a Christian. I, I was a doer type of guy. I owned my own business, and it, I controlled my affairs from my point of view and how things worked. And, and I did well. I worked for corporate America before I owned my own business. So I learned a lot of things about business. But I still had my vision, my desires. Well, I had to come to a new desire. And that was, I'm going to do what God tells me, whether I like it or not. Yeah. That is a very difficult thing to do. Especially if you're one of those kind of guys that, I'm going to do what I want to do because I know how to do it, and let's get on with it. You know, I'm going to be the best salesman. I'm going to be the best producer. I want to be the best whatever. 
and I'm going to make more money than anybody here. And and I did. I did. I was able to succeed in that, and I was, I was, I was amazed. And how easy it came. What I was not ready for was when God says, "Leave it all behind and follow me." That was not easy for me to do. I I, I couldn't do that. I had my wife, my children, and then I asked her to follow me, and, and she made a statement that, that still rings in my ears. I'll follow you everywhere you go except to hell. <laughs> and I thought she was being funny, but she wasn't. In other words, as long as you're following Christ, I'll follow you. Yeah. And she's been doing that now for 52 years. Yeah. And I praise God for that. Go ahead. Well, I, th I think when we look at, again, the baptism of the Spirit, I think I think it encompasses more than what we read in First Corinthians or in Romans or in Ephesians. I think that, you know, Jesus taught a lot about holy living. He taught a lot about abiding, following him, following his teachings. Um, and I think sometimes we get the cart before the horse. We're, we're all about, you know, the end, the end game, the end uh, reaching out to what looks really great to us without walking. It's like having learning how to spell words without knowing the alphabet, for example. Once you learn the alphabet, you're all of a sudden, wow, I can spell these words. Once you learn, you know, addition in, in math, you know, wow, I can add all these big numbers. And it becomes, all of a sudden, it snaps in. But first you had to walk into the fundamentals, if you will. Okay? And then all of a sudden, it just hits you. I think... It's not much different walking with Jesus. I, I think when we walk with him and we learn of him, and I mean, what the foundation, to me, the foundation of what a, a believer is, is somebody who uh, seeks to become like Jesus. We follow his teachings. And when we do that, when the next level of spiritual walk is, it's like it's a natural step. It's like when Paul said to the Corinthians, you guys are still eating milk. What's wrong with you? You need to start eating meat. It's like the natural step isn't coming. You need to do this. And I think the baptism of the Spirit. Now, I don't believe that it's impossible that if you come to Jesus and you are regenerated, you are saved, that the Holy Spirit can't baptize you right there. I believe that's possible. I do believe it's a second work myself. However, you know, whether it's together or apart, it really doesn't matter. It said it happens. And I think it's it's still there, and we still need to realize we need to walk with Jesus, follow his teachings, and the next realm, like you said in reading the scripture, is always there's always new stuff coming at you because why? We're growing. It, it's it's life. And the life of the spirit in us is life and it's regenerating constantly as we follow Jesus. No, it was not uncommon for uh, for people to be baptized and come out of the water speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. It's happened many times. I've done that both in the baptistry, in the church, as well as the people that are baptized in the river. That when uh, God will just have a special way of doing things. And how does, it do, how does he do that? I can give you experience after experience, and everyone is different from the other, but they're all real and they're all true. 
And the reason that I believe that God does that is so that you do not say, I know how he works. Because just as soon as you think you know how the Spirit works, you don't know. Yeah. Because uh, he is God. Yeah. You know, I I was baptizing in, in the Frio River. And the, I don't know what, if you know what Frio means. You know what Frio means? It means cold. Okay. So I was in the cold river. And the water is cold. And I'm baptizing people there. And I have this young man who was uh, our basketball coach at the time. And he came to be baptized. Also, he got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, anyway, he's, this young man came. At this point, he was just a coach. Saying, you know, that's all. Going to heaven. I'm baptizing him. We come to this spot in the, in the river where it was, the water was just only lower than chest high. Mm-hmm. And around me, and he comes and he says, Pastor, Pastor. And I said, Yes, it's warm. The water's warm here. He then he walked the other way. He said, It's cold here. It's warm here. Well, am I going to tell you that we can go baptize in the, in, in the snow and that it's going to be warm? Of course not. But some ones, including me, needed to see that. And I go there and, man, this is, this is um, it's unbelievable. I don't know what to do. I baptized, at that same moment, I was baptizing a lady that was 100 years old. And she couldn't, you know, as you get older, you lose part of your hearing and seeing and all that. And she said, do I jump in or what? <laughs> And I'm looking at her. He said, "No, no, no. It just walk." So I have a question for you, and this is a sincere question. It's something that I experienced when I was young. Okay, like I said, I uh, when I started going to church, I was 14. I became a, a believer at 16. Uh, it was in a Nazarene church. Okay, and um, so even though they believed in the baptism of the Spirit, they didn't. They were like, you know get away if you want to speak in tongues kind of thing. So I walked away. But when I was young, I went to a, a church. It was in California where I went down to pray. And they had me and they took a bunch of us in a room. And this one lady was praying with me. And so she was asking if I was filled with the spirit. And I says, well, I don't know. I don't think so. She says, well, so let's pray. So then she said, you know, do you speak in tongues? I said, well, no, let's, let's pray for speaking in tongues and nothing happened. And finally he says, you know what, let me help you out. Repeat after me. And she started to do this babel type speaking in tongues. And the reason I asked you about this, I want to know your opinion because I've had several people experience the same exact thing. And some of them ended up speaking in tongues and a lot of them didn't. But, but I think that's really not healthy or good. But I want your opinion about that. It's not healthy and it's not good. <laughs> you see, the Holy Ghost is not asking for help. The Holy Ghost is asking for obedience. As long as I'm doing what you're doing, I'm following you. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to call out on Jesus and no other, no, no other word because nothing is higher in the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow at the very sound of that name. 
So if I'm going to ask you to say anything, I'm going to say, just close your eyes and call on Jesus. Okay. And, that's, and then it'll, it'll happen or it won't happen. Because I have people that, I literally have uh, several people who are watching this program who have been in the same situation that I'm talking about. And, um, and it, for me, sometimes I'm not as eloquent like you are when I explain <laughs> something. I'm pretty brass, <laughs> you know. And so that, that was an honest question because I need an honest answer for my audience because I know there are several people that I personally know. that I went through that experience one time. An architect friend, friend of mine uh, was saved and we became good friends. And he, uh, we were going, he was going to a meeting of businessmen that were all filled with the Holy Ghost, or so I was told. And so they asked me, he, he asked me to go with him to this meeting in it was in Houston. So we went, and uh, this man takes me outside uh, to the side, and I go with him to the side, and then he puts my, his hand on my head and starts pushing me back. And I, mean, I don't want to go fall on my back. <laughs> so I, 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 I stepped back, you know, and he said, no, this is the Holy Ghost. I said, no, sir, you're pushing me. <laughs> well, and so I, I, I said, stop pushing me because I'm going to fall. He said, that's the Holy Ghost. And I said, no, sir, that's you pushing me. And we left the meeting, and I just left the meeting with a sense of consternation. What's this about? And then I went to the book. I read what a few passages I knew, and... It's the only way. God has to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I um I went to a church one time where this uh, pastor, uh, and, I, and you know who this man is, and I'm just going to say this pastor would teach that if you want to know what the, your gift is of the Holy Spirit, there's a, you can go on our website and fill out this form and Talk about, answer the questions, what you're good at, what you like, whatever, and that's your gift. And, and I'm like, well, that's crazy because that's back to man again, not God. It's again, back, that's not God. Exactly. So, um, but a lot of people really have that idea. That's where the Holy Spirit, how he works is within what's in us rather than what he comes in with us. I mean, I you know my story. I you know, I went I went to college when I was 18 to go into ministry. And everybody, back then in the 70s, there were no such things as, I'm going to study to be a uh, youth pastor. You just became a youth pastor yeah. for two years, and you became a pastor. There was no teaching ministry like we do now. But I went in, and I was taught how to, I was taught to preach. I was taught to do that, but... I let, when I graduated from my first college, I went into youth ministry and I couldn't work for the pastor I did and I resigned and the school calls me the same week. Hi, I understand you're looking for a job. How would you know that? Oh, a little birdie told me. And, and who is this? And he wouldn't tell me. And they talked me into coming to teach at their school. I said, I'm not a teacher. I don't go to school to teach. And I've never had a class how to teach. I, I couldn't do it. 
and he persuaded me to come. Now, this is a Pentecostal church, by the way. So he persuades me to come. He goes, oh, yeah, by the way, because I had nothing to do. I was had no work. <laughs> so I, I come and talk to him, and, and, you know, he says, oh, by the way, bring a resume. I'm like, well, why? I just like to see what, what you've done. He just doesn't really let me know anything, kind of like what you do, you know. And then I come, and he, we talk and talk and talk, and he, I go ahead and I, I submit, basically, for him saying, I want to hire you. And I said, okay. And I walk into the classroom, and my first class is ninth graders, and I'm going to teach on the Gospel of John. And it was like it just flowed. Like, this is easy. It was natural. I didn't understand about the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't understand about the fact that I was gifted from the Holy Spirit with the gift of teaching, not for another few years. But after I realized this and after I started, it started maturing. And it's a whole different, it's a whole different way. People come to me and say, oh, you're a great teacher. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a great teacher. The Holy Spirit speaks through me and that's all him. And the only thing I really want to make sure is that the Holy Spirit gets the credit, the fact that I am honoring Jesus through him. And that is so different than, you know, speaking for me that I do this because it's not me. I, I would never want to say or take credit for teaching as a good teacher because I just don't think that. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be. None of us would be here. But, you know, we need to learn to submit to God. Be, remove your own will Remove yourself from the situation that you're in and say, God, I'm going to follow you. But this is what I want to do. And I see that happening a lot. That's yeah. not the way it works. You cannot get God to do for you what, as long as you're going to put your will first. Yeah. And we see too many pastors doing this. We see, we see too many pastors not teaching the congregation about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're mentioned in every book, in Acts, Romans, Corinthians, second, you know, he gives one one whole chapter to the gift of tongues. Speaking in First Corinthians 14, the whole chapter. Just like he gives one whole chapter. But it always wasn't a positive thing in that chapter either, though. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But he's correcting. Yes. And And again, he's saying what he would do. And what he does. You know, in First uh, John, and probably First John is probably my favorite book. Um, I don't know why it became my favorite book. I think it's, uh, you just made a comment. I'll get right back to our thing, but you made a comment about how a lot of pastors do and say their own thing here and there. And I'm, I've noticed through all the pastors I've sat under, watched, study there's a lot of them that don't want to touch the topic of loving one another and and uh first john two three and six three through six it's really i want to read the whole thing uh it says by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments obey his commandments he who says i know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth I is wonder not, what he means by that. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you think he has a second thought? No. <laughs> and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Okay. And um, 
By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, now in Jesus, ought to himself walk as Jesus walked. And really, this is so cool because it's like we all we all want to know what's the will of God? Hello. Let's go to First John and read these verses here, and it tells you, walk as Jesus walked, obey him, abide in him, continue in him. And like I said earlier, I think once we get that foundation down, when we understand that, the blessings of the Holy Spirit, as we learn, come, come to us. The Holy Spirit enters us. He fills us. He baptizes us. We, we all of a sudden, we're on a different level. Instead of saying, I love I, I love Jesus, it's now, I'm in love with Jesus. It's a total different spiritual life that you were saying earlier. It's a new spiritual realm. Yes. But look what you said. You, you, and, here, and this is a conversation here that you just made. You talked about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But yet, many pastors, in fact, most pastors, when they hear that some congregant of theirs is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks with other tongues, right away they set him aside and tell him not to disrupt. Yeah. They're afraid. Why are we afraid of a gift so powerful? Because they don't understand it. Well, but you see, you just read First John, the three, mm-hmm. right? First John, two. Two. Okay. Yeah. If we walk, if we walk like he walks, you shouldn't be afraid because it's no longer you. Right. So that's where the battle comes in, what, I'm, what I mentioned a few moments or a few minutes ago now, that it's a battle between the realm of the natural and the spirit. The reason I had difficulty getting baptized with the Holy Spirit, because I went to a prayer group, and I didn't know anything. I had never been in church. I was a Catholic all my life. Never owned the Bible, never read the Bible. When I was a when I was a young boy, it was a sin to read the Bible. If you were a Catholic, only a priest could read it. So we we memorized the prayers, but not the scriptures. So I I learned to submit to what God was saying, but not not really knowing it because my flesh got in the way. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that there was such a thing as the flesh, the carnal man. I thought everybody bled, so everybody's the same. I didn't understand. My eyes were, my ears and eyes of my understanding were not open. And they're not going to be opened until you do the small things. Can I share a small? Sure. That's why you're here. Uh, I, I, I do, I believe that God can heal me. I, I had a heart attack. And I didn't die, but I was raised up from from being very sick. And uh, I kept on doing things the way that I should do. Then I was very ill one time with a toothache. And I don't know what, I don't know what to do because I've never suffered a toothache before. I have all my teeth, most of most of them, well, all of them, most of my hair, 
Xavier turned white instead of black. <laughs> and I'm there, and he said, what do I do, God? And he told me, go brush your teeth. And I remember exactly where I was standing in my house when he told me that. So I didn't say anything to my daughter. My daughter was not yet, my youngest daughter was not yet married, nor to my wife. I just walked on to the bedroom and went and brushed my teeth. It doesn't make sense if you're hurting to go brush your teeth. It only hurts more. But I did that. And I looked and I said, God, thank you. The pain went away. I don't have any toothache. Does that happen? Am I telling you don't go to the dentist? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you listen and learn to obey. But you cannot learn to obey until you learn his voice. And he has a voice that is unique, and you know it's him. Like he told me to call you. And I, was, and I had to, I got deterred and said, I'll call you. And then I look at the phone when it says, Ellen Cutting. I said, man, I didn't have to call him. He called me. This, these things happen a lot. I, I, can, I can give you with, well, I won't go into anymore. But all I was doing, or trying to do with this example, or with this testimony, is learn to hear his voice. Because there are many voices out there. They're not all bad. But his voice is unique, and you know that. I can give you several other examples. Uh, I've been in jungles, and I've been in villages, and I've been in five-star hotels, too, big difference. I like the five stars. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but, you know, you learn to hear him. You learn his voice. You know that's his voice. Mm -hmm. My wife trusts me because she knows that when I tell him this is what I'm supposed to do, she knows that I heard his voice and that I will follow it. Do I like it? I don't argue with him at all. I just do what he tells me. And the blessings will come. But to do that, I have to erase my vision. And that's where the key is. See, as soon as, I, as long as I keep my vision, not God's vision, and I, I had my own visions, and as long as I keep my vision, his vision will never develop in my life. And when it does, it will not be one of blessedness because it will be my doing. And not everything that man does is bad. You said that a while ago, you know, you do things and sometimes you don't, you, not everything you do is done by the Holy Spirit. One man came into my office one time and said, this brother that I know walks in the Spirit 24 hours a day. I mean, I, I want you to meet him. I said, no, I want to touch him. I want to see if he's real. <laughs> I don't know anybody that does that. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Well, um, I, I think it's I think it's interesting that as we submit to God. I mean, to me, the most powerful thing that we 
can be and become is yielding to him. That that's the most powerful thing, you know. It's it's not all the things we look at, the gifts or whatever. It's it's the yielding to his will. When I yield to him, when I submit myself to him, I am literally giving myself as a gift to him, 100% totally, which is, in definition, worship. And that's what he asks for, is my worship and my yielding and submitting of myself to him. And by doing that, we have a tremendous amount of power. And that's where I think power comes from. I think people look for the things like tongues or prophecy or all these things, but without yielding to him. And I think that that's where they're missing it. And, you know, one time I was in a, I was a first time in the, I was going to Nazarene Bible College and I wanted to get my district's license for preaching, preaching license or minister's license. First one I was getting, and they say in Colorado, I was going to school there, they say it's the hardest place to get your license is because, you know, when you're there, they're real tough. So here I am sitting in this chair, and there's like 10 or 12 men all in a semicircle asking me questions. And finally, directly ahead of me is this one guy, and he says, what do you believe in speaking in tongues? And I'm a smart aleck. I really am. I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I believe everybody has one and can speak with it. Of course, 11 of these guys are cracking up laughing. Okay, the one guy's getting all upset. And it's like, but it broke the ice. But it's like, what I'm trying to say is, your question's foolish. And there's a lot of foolishness that comes out of that kind of thinking. Uh, when we want to just think that, the way we walk as a believer is by our own path and our own ways and our own sight. I think that's exactly what you were leading to when you were talking. Well, again, uh, moving in the spirit, how true is that? Again, just learn obedience. But you cannot learn obedience. And this is the key, a key thought. A key statement that I make here. You cannot do obedience until you've left yourself out and said, God, whatever you want. Yeah. Complete surrender. But the other way, but let me tell you how we can cover that up with an untruth and with a lie. God, you know that what I want to do is for your glory, and therefore I'm asking you to bless it because you're going to provide for this. And what you're doing is you're covering up any God speaking to you because you you told him, no, this is what I'm going to do. Do I make sense or not? Oh, yeah. I, I know, you know, in in the world of, of ministry, you know, you, don't, you tend to know a lot of ministers. So I know a lot of ministers that decide, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take that church, I'm going to go this direction. They make their decision. Then once they make the decision, okay, God, I want you to bless my decision. That's right. (laughs) And it's like, and it falls apart most of the time. But worse than that, even if it does not fall apart, 
It's not yet a blessing of God. It's the work of man. And it's disobedience. It's like, who are you really following? Who? I mean, if we're really following him, then why are... Why aren't we following him? Why are we saying, well, Jesus, take the back seat and I'll take you where I want to go? Well, and that's kind of what people do. But let me tell you why. I mean, I don't know all the whys, but I'll tell you one why that I know of. Because as long as he is doing what he's, as he's getting blessed, he considers that of God. You can get rich without, being, without doing bad things. You can get rich just by doing a lot of right things. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what I wanted. No, I knew that's what I wanted. <laughs> there was no thought. I was, that was my plan. But God, when God told me to do some things, I had learned his voice by then. You learn to hear his voice. It's very unique. You say that you want to speak with tongues. You can do that on your way to the to your home after you leave the studio. You can just be in your car and ask him, help me, Father. Baptize me now. And just call out on the name of Jesus. You can sing. And my wife's heard me sing. You don't want to hear me sing, okay? You don't want to hear me sing. But she likes the songs I sing to her because those are from my heart to her. And my point I'm making is you go and you talk to, to God and you ask him to bless you and you call out his name Jesus and sing it and watch what happens. Yeah. You know, I was meaning to say this earlier. Um, I think I, I think what a lot of, because our churches don't teach about the Holy Spirit, and I don't say I'll teach churches. I mean, there's a lot of churches that don't teach about the Holy Spirit. There are, like you said, they're afraid of, they're afraid of it. They're and so they kind of ignore it, or they turn their head, or, or like the guy asked me, because they're all about you know let's let's exit out of here. But Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, and I, and I like what Jesus said in John chapter fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. He has different passages, and he and um, without looking up all the scriptures, I have the scriptures, and I'll put them on on my YouTube for people to. Look, look them up. But the scriptures say these things about the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's really important to understand the Holy Spirit. Okay. They say this. Number one, the Holy Spirit will testify and honor the Son, Jesus. That, that's the primary thing the Holy Spirit is, is all about, is to honor the Son. Number one, honor the Son. So even when Paul was talking, like you mentioned about in Corinthians, the 14th chapter, he's talking about honoring the Son, honoring Jesus. That's the primary goal here. The second one is the Holy Spirit is to form one body, is to bring unity with believers. One of the bad things we have now, not only in our, our country and other countries, but within the churches, we have disunity. And the Holy Spirit was given to us to bring unity. Chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, John, Paul, ta- uh, Paul talks about, is he brings unity so that we can be one body to honor Jesus. Again, back to that number one goal. That's it. It is. The next thing is to receive power. You've been talking a lot about that. He's here to, get, to bring power, and we need to receive that power. What is that power for? Like I said, to live a holy life, to live a life of holiness, 
to live above and beyond sin, to conquer sin. Okay? Next thing is to empower people for Christian life and service. He brings us that empowerment. Uh, next one is to teach us all things. You know, I, I you know it's it's interesting how people wonder about things. They don't want to read their Bible, but they want to hear a teacher teach them. And it's like, well, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. Where do you think we learn these things? Well, hello, he gave us the scriptures, you know. And yet we want to go listen to these TV preachers and then get way off base, you know. And, and we have real problems with that. But the Holy Spirit was given, Jesus said, to teach us all things. And finally, Jesus said he came to give us, he's given the Holy Spirit to give us, um, to guide us into truth, all truth. And all truth. These are the reasons why the Holy Spirit is here. And this is what we need to understand. And this is what we need. When we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's it for? Well, here we have it right here. We have it all. What, all the, all the, the evidence of what this brings is back into the fruit of the Spirit, which brings us to the gifts of the Spirit. But if we don't have this stuff here, we're, we're, we're trying to, to run before we walk. Well, that's... And uh, many pastors have forgotten to do that mm-hmm. because they're concerned because they got a monthly payment and they got a building fund and they got a bus fund and a car fund and a fund for fund and whatever. We need to submit ourselves to God in such a way that we say, God, here I am. Use me any way you want to use me. Send me any way you want to send me. <clears throat> like I said, I've, I've been in in jungle villages in Africa and Mexico and other places. I've been in many cities around the world, most every continent. And I go there only because he tells me to go there for a particular reason. Yeah. And I think we forget we're here living for him. I told this story, or actually I had a my pastor, who I grew up with, who's my mentor, uh, his name's Lon Ekdahl. He was on this program. Uh, we brought him in from Oregon. And there's a really neat story. When I was a teenager and I lived with him, um, we had a church, and it was like what they call a mission church, where the denomination paid for part of the rent and we paid for part of the rent and so forth. Well, it was Sunday night, and the treasurer came up to us as we were walking home, and, and she said she was really upset. What's the matter? We're $200 or $500 below our payment. We're, we're gonna, we're, we can't make our mortgage or payments. And so the past lawn says to, the, to her, he says, well, this Lord's church, go home and pray. I'm sure, you know, we don't need to worry about it. He'll do what he wants. We go home that night. The next morning, we just knock on the door, and this lady, her name is Mary, she comes in and and says, my son was in church yesterday. He just got out of the Marines, and he forgot to give this to the church. And so I'm bringing it over, and it was 500 bucks. I mean, to the penny, what what the church was short. But see, he was leading the right way. Exactly. It's now, many pastors right there, I'll tell you what they do. And, that, and, and I've seen it happen. I'm not just talking out of, out of the air. I know what I'm talking some parents, some pastors will get on the phone and tell their elders to, to do this and do this and do that so that we can meet that responsibility. If God didn't call it, 
then you shouldn't be there. Right. And I think that we're... Hooray for that pastor. Pardon me? Hooray for that pastor. Oh, I know. He's amazing. That's why he's my mentor. He's just like... Um, I told him he can't die before me. <laughs> He's 80. You just turned 80. And I'm like, you know, I need you. I need you around here because when I have problems, I call him up. Hey, you know, help me out with some wisdom. But I think that a lot of our churches, a lot of Christians, a lot of people, we become milk toast, if that's a good word for it. We, we're looking at the things of the world, trying to match what we need to do in godly work by the things of the world rather than the spirit. And that's where I'm saying we're missing it when we don't look for the power. We don't look for, you know, the guy will lead us to all things, bring us to that point where spiritually we can walk with him like Jesus walked rather than, you know, what, what do the financial guys say? Not my will, Lord. Exactly. But your will. Yeah. Let it be done on earth. Right here, where I walk. Here, God, with, with all this going on in this country, yes, right here, His will be done. He's doing you do what He tells you. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll heal their land. It's all about seeking Him. It's all about living for Him. It's all about walking as Jesus walked. See, I believe, I believe that when we hear one example here, it serves an example 20 centuries later. Whatever the Bible gave us then, we can use it now as, as a current example. Yeah. Luther came out with things that were totally different. The priesthood of the believer, what? Yes, you can go to God and you don't need somebody else to go with you. What? He will speak to you. What? Pray for the sick. What? I mean, you know, it's amazing. All these things. And in less than a few hundred years, they get, they get preached the gospel all over the world without microphones or buses or airplanes or anything else. How they do that? The power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The empowerment of that Spirit. I believe it, God. You're going to do it. Yeah. And I think... You know, in the end days, you know, we're supposed to have this uh, falling away and people, false doctrines, but at the same time, we're supposed to have the, the growing and building the working of the Holy Spirit. And you can see that happening. You know, we see churches that, well, we had an hour to have service and we got to cut it and quit because another bunch of people are coming in. No room for allowing the Holy Spirit to work and move people and continue rather oh we got to get out let's go goodbye and rush them out because we got to rush a new one to hear a sermon and then rush them out and rush in for a third sermon and what have we done what have we done you know we've changed the entire idea of what it is to come together it is terrible it is and then we bring worldly things into the church and the congregation is like a child in some ways. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, the congregation sees you as a pastor, and they'll exaggerate what you do. If you if you walk a little bit in the flesh, they'll fly in the flesh instead of a little bit more. This is why we must remain holy. 
and listen to him, hear him, hear him, do what he says. Yeah. Move your will out of the way. And I leave you with this thought. Be brave. Be brave. You know, you cannot, you know, once in a while, I mean, I'm 87 years old. I cannot do what I could do before. Coming down, the, coming up the elevator and coming up the, the walkway is as tiring as playing a basketball game. I can't do anything like that. It's difficult. But I'm not afraid when he tells me to do certain things, mm-hmm. to write certain things. I'm, I'm writing a book now, and I'm almost finished with it, called The Ways of God. And I speak on this very, these things that we're talking about. I mentioned them. And in fact, you, I'm asking you to write a preface on the book after you read it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You trust me. Huh? I trust you because you're. <laughs> let me tell you what I trust about you the most. You're honest. You'll tell me what you believe. When you didn't agree with me, you told me so. That's true. And, but you didn't condemn me. You didn't fight me. You just came and told me some things. And. I likewise dealt with you the same way. I only dealt with what I know to be true. When you see on my desk, that's who I am. I don't have any hidden drawers. I don't have any hidden agenda. The only agenda is, how can I help this brother do more for the kingdom of God than what he's doing now? Yeah. And that's what Paul calls us to do. I mean, Ephesians 4, why do we come together? To build one another up so that we can go out and build the kingdom. I mean, it's really, it's all there. You know, I want to I read this one scripture, and if we have time or not, I don't, you know, we're close to end. In Galatians chapter 2, 20, uh, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. This is living in the spirit. Truly. You know, what is so hard to to understand about that verse? That much. But the the hard thing is, do I want to give up my selfishness? Do I want to give up my pride, my lusts, my things? Can I keep my own plans while I do what you tell me? Exactly. There is your problem. Like the young rich man, you, you know, follow the commandments. Oh, I do all that. Well, then give everything to the poor and come follow me. Oh, you can't do that. Ah, you're not following all the commandments already. Money is your idol. So, you know, what it is it? We don't give up ourselves, And he's calling us to give up self. And here in Galatians, I think that's a perfect scripture to talk about or say that this is how you, this is how you live in the spirit. It just reminds me of how difficult life is because it is so simple. Yeah. And sometimes the simple things are difficult to do. That was hard for me when I was younger. I always had to think of, you know, all the angles and how it works. And, you know, if you take two steps, does that make it go over here? Am I going to the left? What about this problem? And, you know, and I didn't understand about surrendering until I got older. And then I, it just like, hit me. It was dawned on me. This is really where it's at. You know. 
May I give a testimony? Sure. Okay. I won't take long. When I before I became saved, I was a businessman and I was successful. And my goal was to be wealthy. And I was on, on my way. And my, one of the first things I wanted was a new Cadillac. Mm-hmm. That's the one. One of the first things I want is a Cadillac. And I don't want a Cadillac when I'm old. I want it when I'm young. Because I'm I'm from the, down the valley from here. And uh, in the winter, we would see uh, winter citizens come to the valley. And they all came in Cadillacs and automobiles because they were rich people that could come and spend the winter in, in there. And I said, but I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be old when I have a Cadillac. I want to have it when I'm young. So one of the first things I did, as soon as I made money, guess what? Go to Riata Cadillac and buy a Cadillac. And so the, I got saved. I'm crying and telling the Lord to save me, to give me, I give myself to you. And he tells me, get rid of your Cadillac. What? I rebuked that voice. Lord, I want to talk to me. <laughs> Well, that's what he did, and that's what I did. And the next thing it says, no more clothes, no more new clothes until I tell you, because I like to wear tailor-made suits. I like, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with it. But it says right now, no more of that until I tell you. And then, and I did that. And then it says, close your business. Ah, I close it. God will, t- but see, I'm so much better off now than I was then because I was relying on me, which is not very much. And now I, re- then I learned to rely on him. And I could go on with many testimonies of the type. But the point is the same thing that you've been talking about. Do his will. Submit. And doing the, what he tells you the way you want to is not submitting to him. Those are your plans and your tricks. Remove from that, and you will see. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. This has been great. <laughs> I hope I was a little bit of an encouragement, but you don't need any. You do it very well. We'll find out. Well, people will write. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's the end of our program. You all have a wonderful day, and Lord bless you. Aloha.